Hey guys, it's Mackenzie, and this is episode 10. I sat down with longtime friend, teacher, and foster mom, Courtney, and she shared her journey to become a foster mom. I hope that you enjoy listening to Courtney's story about how her and her husband became foster parents and about all the children they have fostered. I enjoyed sitting down and catching up with Courtney. I hope you enjoyed this episode. But I hope that it also inspires you to either look into becoming a foster parent, find a foster family that you can support, or maybe find an organization like Adventure Bags who you can support through donations. I will share more information about Adventure Bags as well as the organization that Courtney fosters through. I hope you enjoy this episode. I loved seeing Courtney's face and hearing her story. Fifteen years ago, I met this scrawny, freckled-faced kid who is now a teacher and a foster mom. I'm here today with Courtney. So, Courtney, you are a teacher, right? Yes. And your husband's a teacher. This is the first. We're crazy. (laughs) Okay, so how long have you been a teacher? I am finishing my ninth year, which is insane to me that it's already been that many and Ryan's finishing year (laughs) (laughs) 8.5 he was one of those like mid-year mid-year hires um so what do you teach okay so I it's been a journey so I started I taught second grade then I taught fourth grade and then after fourth grade, I came out of the classroom and taught ESOL, which is like, you know, English as a second language. And then after that, I became an instructional coach. And now that's, that's what, I'm, what I'm doing. Um, and actually, no, Monday I start my brand new job. Oh. I just finished being an instructional coach. Monday I started a new job as an early learning professional development specialist. What is that? I don't know yet. Okay. <laughs> um, I'll be working with kids and people like zero to five, kids zero to five, and then I guess the parents and the teachers of zero to five-year-olds. So it's more teaching teachers, te- again, teaching teachers. So it's still instructional It's still instructional, coaching. yes. And it's still in the county. Okay. So that's that's wild. So are you like creating this job? Like this is... This, yeah, I think so. Well, that's fun. Um, what is going to be fun about this conversation is, even though I know you, I don't know your journey to foster. And so a lot of this will come as a shock. And so if I ask random questions, just be like willing to answer them. Okay. Unless you don't. Um, all right. So you started fostering. Okay, hold on. Like, did you just always want to foster kids? Um, I think that I wanted to foster kids pretty much when I, when I was young, if you would have asked me at, you know, 15, when you first met me, what do you want to be? You know, what was socially acceptable was for me to say something like, I want to be a teacher. But in my mind, I always, and in my heart, I always felt like I want to be a mom and a wife. I want to be a mom and a wife. Mm -hmm. And it's just like not looked at to be one of those things that's like, I guess, admirable anymore, like in society's eyes, to be able to just say as a woman, I want to be a mom and a wife. And, um, you know, I knew that and I wasn't, I wasn't so sure what that mom life would look like. And I knew that I always cared for children who had I guess a rougher start because that's Mm -hmm. where, you know, in our youth group, it was like that. It was like all the all these kids that needed extra love. And I tended to take on to, to those kids. And then my friend Claire, she started fostering and I just supported her. So it was going over and bringing the meals and it was doing things like helping with homework. And one day I was helping them and I was just like, I think I can do this. And, um, you know, Ryan, he thought I was crazy. I, I mean, he really did. He was like, oh, we're supporting foster care. How long had you it. been married at this point? 
five years. Okay. So, I mean, we've been married yeah. for a minute, um, but not that long, so five years. And we didn't, we don't have any of our own children and, you know, we don't plan to have any of our own birth children, but he, he really was not so sure about this foster well, it's care a situation. Big ask. It's a big, it's a big ask. I mean, I know from the teaching side, you don't know what kids have, like they, mm-hmm. they may look cute, but underneath they've been through some tough stuff and yep. you don't know what you're asking to come into your home at any point, really. No. So, what made him change his mind? Because obviously you're fostering obviously now. Obviously you're fostering. <laughs> so, it's, we both work in Title I schools. And it's this, you know, when you're, when you're a classroom teacher, you get the kids coming in the door with all of their baggage, right? Like, whatever has happened at home the night before, the morning of, after a weekend, Monday morning, you see these kids, or the kids that cry that don't want to leave on Friday. And... We just got tired of sending those kids home. Like, we wanted to be... Now, of course, we've never had our own... Our classroom kids at yeah. home. You know, we haven't we haven't fostered them. But we just got tired of having some of our our kids that we wanted to help be sent back. You knew there was a need. We knew there was a need. And yeah. then he saw that, too. Yes. And said, okay, let's do it. And it doesn't happen, like, overnight. You know, it takes... Yeah, how long does it take? Like, what is the commitment. process? Because I have no idea. Yeah, it was... Eight or ten weeks of every single, like, it was like twice a week for four hours or something crazy like that of training. So, it was just, and it's called impact training. That's what we went through. I can't, I mean, I don't remember. It seemed like it took forever, but it really only was about eight or ten weeks of just the initial training. And then... From that, you go through a home study, and they come in and invade your home and look through, like, all of your cabinets and um, write up your whole life story. So you go through and write about, like, any trauma you've ever experienced. Talk about your, what marriage looked like, like, modeled to you as a child. You talk about every single family member. They go through, like, mental health history. You know, they had to, when they wrote my home study, they had to write this like long explanation for why I take thyroid medicine. And I just thought it was funny because you have to write about all of this stuff. Because you just take your medicine. Because I just take my (laughs) thyroid medicine because I need it. And it makes you wonder how in the world this was so hard. Like becoming a foster parent Mm -hmm. was hard. And first making the choice was hard. And then going through all this training was hard. And going through the home study process was hard. And then it makes you wonder like how... There are foster parents out there that aren't good and how they get through, too. How many times did you want to quit? Be honest. I don't, we won't judge you. I don't think I wanted to quit, but I think that I would have, I wanted it, um, the process to be over. So, mm-hmm. like the initial process, I, it was so full of excitement that it was, I wanted that initial process to be over. Now, how many times do I want to quit as a foster parent now? Often. Yeah. You know, often. It's like, it's taxing. It's, you know, lots of, I mean, you, you manage so much. So you're, you're managing, you know, your life, your marriage, you know, all of those things. And you're managing children. But then children who are in foster care, like you manage the defects workers. You, you have to manage visitation with family members. If they get visitation with family members. You, you have paperwork that you fill out, um... You know, every time you give them even an over-counter medication, there's paperwork to fill out. There's logs. It's it's a lot. But, I mean, I now I feel like I'm going to scare off foster parents that are wanting to do this. It's a lot to manage, but it's it's still so worth it. Like, it's still so worth it. How many kids have you had in your home? Oh, do you keep count? Yeah, I mean, let's let's start. Let's let's figure this out. Um... My very first, oh, my very first child was my long-term placement. So we had um, a long-term that was eight. And then we had, um, let's see, the little one that we got the call in the middle of the night for um, at like midnight. It was crazy. At midnight, we went to Children's Health Care of Atlanta and picked up our little 
Blue, we're gonna call him Blue, the little little Blue who came over and stayed with with you, who had yeah. sprained a bifida. Um, so, and no wheelchair or braces or anything. You know, we, right. we didn't have any of that. Okay, hold on. You went from an eight year old to a three year old, right? And an eight year old doesn't usually need diapers. They no. usually need a <laughs> no. lot. And then you go to a tiny child who needs all these things, and we had none so of it much. in our home. We had yeah. none of it. We didn't even have the right bed. Not even the right clothes. Not even the right clothes. clothes. We, yeah. we went into Walmart. <laughs> to just get clothes for the kid. And shoes. Yeah. So I'm sure we looked like quite the scene over here in the Winder Walmart walking in <laughs> with yeah. a kid that needed clothes and shoes. Oh and I mean, we were looking rough. So, okay. So then <clears throat> there were three kids that came at one time. All boys. Three boys. Three boys. Okay. 11, 4, and 6. Oh. And then there were, there was a teenage girl and two boys that came. 18 months, three years old, but no, 18 months, five years old, and 15 years old. Then, so what are we up to? Eight now? So you go big or go home. Right? Three kids at one time. But it's good that they can stay with their siblings, right? Yes. Yeah, so that's why we do it. We yeah. we care for actually when we first started this, we said we would only take boys, and we would definitely have no more than two, and they needed to be in um, in school age, like they needed to be kindergarten through fifth grade because we teach at elementary schools, and we needed our kids to be able to go to the elementary school that we work at. And it's funny that, like, we make these plans because you actually fill out a piece of paper that says this is my placement preference. So you can say, I only want a baby or I only want this. And then hopefully your agency honors that and, you know, doesn't call you for anything else. Well, that hasn't worked out. (laughs) No, because once we had, you know, once it was that emergency placement that we had for a boy, again, but then it was like, okay, I think we could do younger. And then it was, okay, well, we did younger, and there are two boys, but actually now there's three boys. And so we were like, oh, come on. And then it was, oh, no, there's the two boys and one girl. And we were like, oh, come on. And then there was um, a set of two teeny tiny babies, teeny tiny, I mean, I say teeny, under two, two under two. And then, I've already lost count. I'm over 10 at this point. And then there was um, two boys and a baby girl. Baby girl, 12 weeks old. And the two boys were 22 months and three. And then my girl. So, I mean, we always said no more than two. And we've had up to five at one time. Um... Okay, hold on. You've been doing this. So last summer, you got the little boy that I know about. So since him, you've had like 87 other kids in your house. Like it's a revolving door. It is. And, you know, we've had wonderful things where we've had a child reunified with the parents when it was like a long-term placement. And then all these other little ones in between are like respite. So it's either giving a foster family a break who you know, has these children long-term, or it's that the foster family needs to go out of town and you can't take a child out of state um, unless there's a lot of, there's a lot of hoops you have to jump through. Like, there's a lot of paperwork that has to be done and stuff like that, so, and permission. So, they might be doing that. Or it could be that they're waiting to place a child and need some help. So, we have a long-term right now of two. But, yeah, we have, we still take respite even with, with them, and we always said no more than two, and boys, and I'm sitting with two girls. <laughs> <laughs> That's so fun. Yeah. Um, is Ryan still along for the journey, or is he? Yeah. I yeah. mean, he, yeah, it's, he actually, <clears throat> we got our girls through um, kind of a respite situation where we had respited them, and um, they were Things worked out uh, for us to be able to become their long-term foster parents. And Ryan was the one who really advocated and said, like, these are supposed to be our girls. And that was pretty awesome. Um, To hear him say, like, 
these are our girls. And then it made me realize, okay, you know what? We can do, we can do older. We can do this. Mm -hmm. It's probably less exhausting than a tiny, tiny baby. Oh gosh. (laughs) Yeah. Well, you know, they all have their different needs. So like the tiny, tiny baby wakes you up and cries because they need a diaper change and they need to be fed. And then older kids wake you up in the middle of night because of trauma. So you wake up, you pour the hot tea, you sit and talk. But what's crazy is like no matter what the age is of the kids, like they all come with trauma. They Mm -hmm. all come with a lot of need. They all come with like food insecurity and um, also just like they're, they're strange humans in your home, right? Like they feel like we're strange people and we feel like they're strange people and we all have to learn how to live together. And I am not easy to live with because I, <laughs> I am quite, uh, you know, meticulous about mm-hmm. things. And so, so do they get counseling services through this or I have to find, I had to find them counseling and every child that we've had in our home for long term, I always find them counseling. Like that's my very, I have like a checklist now that I've done this, now that I've done this. I have, okay, a kid's coming in, this is my immediate need. You know, like I start going through the list and do counseling. I start, I call dentists. Uh, You would be amazed how many people, when you even say they're here, you know, we need to get them in. They're just coming in from foster care. I need to get them to the dentist. And they're like, oh, I don't have anything available for two months. And you've got to get them appointments, you know. So I know that sometimes it's hard to get appointments at doctor's offices. How do you get a counseling appointment on the fly I feel like, like it's like, what is that? There's some saying about like this, like the squeaky, squeaky mm-hmm. wheel or whatever. I just, okay, so, you know, it's the squeaky wheel gets the oil. So I just. Call and call and call and call. And I've learned, like, the louder I advocate, the more likely it is that I'm going to get the help that I need. And it shouldn't be this hard. Right. It shouldn't be this hard to get kids the help that they need. And I can't imagine doing this. Like, we we are very, very lucky that we, um, we foster through a private organization called Families for Families. It's, it's a Christian-based organization and I don't even know if that's if you would call it an organization or, or really what it's called but they they advocate for us they help we have a, a case manager with them um, it's just it's nice like it's nice because we have a level of support that we wouldn't necessarily just get if we had to just work with defects so right. they partner with defects and, and help us um, so now you have two girls and they're much older mm-hmm. and you don't know how long they're going to stay. Like that's the other thing you don't know, Mm-mm. but your goal in this is not to adopt. My goal is always in the goal of foster care. So the true honest goal of foster care should always be reunification when it's in the best interest of the child. Mm-hmm. Um, and reunification, meaning that they go home to birth family, anyone in their, in their birth family. It might not be, you know, parents, but it could be a relative, things like that. You never really know how long they're going to stay, how long kids are going to be with you necessarily, because it's really all left up to the judge, which judge you have and court plans that are being worked and how quickly, um, how quickly parents work on the things that they need to to get healthy. And I wouldn't say that I'm never going to adopt. Like, never is one of those, you know, finite, mm-hmm. I'm done, closed door. But I'm into fostering for reunification. How does this work as a teacher? Because some of these kids are in your district that yes. you work in. Yes. And some are not. Yeah. So, so how is that working? Because we're on different schedules. We're on different schedules. Yeah. This has been, typically we take the kids with us. Like we will unenroll them from whatever school it is and we enroll them in the schools that mm-hmm. we, we teach in or the, the county that we're in. And that works well because we're on the same schedule and, and life works out. But this has been, I would say, a big old fat mess 
um, with with them, the girls. Yeah, with oh. them being in Barrow and us being in Gwinnett. I mean, it's hard because I feel like Barrow's never in school. <laughs> I'm like, y'all are never in school compared to us. Every yeah. time I, t- I, I know, right? Um, just jealous. Every time I turn around, it's like there's another random day off, or there's another like. There's a March break. There's a February break. There's mm-hmm. an April spring break. Like, there's breaks, breaks, breaks. And I'm at work, work, work. And it's really difficult. Then you have to find care for them. you have to them. find care for them. And it can't just be anyone that cares for our kids. Right. Like it has to be... I mean, luckily, a lot of my friends are teachers, so I know that they're safe people. But, I mean, it, you have to be very careful about who you choose to let around your children because you also don't want to have them have any more added trauma because Mm -hmm. of your bad choice of caregiver. And I know that like people there's as a regular parent, you wouldn't leave your child with somebody that um, would hurt your kid or would intentionally hurt your kid. But you also have to think like broader than that. Is there, are there things like, um, like wine bottles sitting out on, on top of, um, on top of the kitchen cabinet that are just decorative that that could be trauma triggering for them. Is there, is it that, um, you know, in a typical house you can have things like matches and, and, and things like that like laid out but not with kids in foster care and it's not that all of them will try to set fire to your house right. or something like that but it could also be that they themselves have experienced a fire and seeing things like seeing these things is trauma triggering for them. So you just have to be so intentional about the choices you make and where you leave your kids. And it can be exhausting. Exhausting. I mean, you're selling this for everybody. I'm just saying, no. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it's the type of foster. I think this is the side of foster care. And I didn't imagine this, like taking this kind of turn actually, as we started talking, but (laughs) it should have been like positive poly. Oh, it's wonderful. Everyone feel the love of Jesus. And, you know, yeah. that's what you see in foster care. That is what gets advertised. That is what you go on YouTube and you watch YouTube. It's going to be this, like, here is my giant family of all these kids I fostered and adopted. And, and, and you see people on social media with their cute kid pictures with the emojis over their face. And they're all bright and smiling. And I'm like, what foster home are you a part of? Because <laughs> this is the, the raw, Well, that's the truth. Instagram reel. Yeah, that's that you the Instagram see the reel. highlight that yep. everybody shows. You don't see what's happening yeah. behind the scene. Oh, my goodness. But it's great. Like, it really, yeah. again, it really is. It obviously doesn't stink because you keep doing having it over and over again. <laughs> yeah, you haven't quit yet. So, you are teaching all day long, and you come home to mm-hmm. kids. They're not your kids. They're kids with trauma. They're kids mm-hmm. you have to take. I know one little boy, you had to take him to several, mm-hmm. like he had counseling appointments. He had other therapy appointments you mm-hmm. had to take him to. That sounds like a lot. You've signed up for a lot for a kid that isn't, isn't even, yours. Yeah, yeah. Not even, yeah, not even yours, not even biologically yours. And so when you're at work, how do you juggle teaching your class or doing your job and making sure these appointments are fulfilled or you have an appointment? Or yeah. Like, do you do it during breaks? There was this book that I read um, by Shauna Nequist. I'm pretty sure that's who it was. And it's called Present Over Perfect. And I, rem- like, really just felt like I needed to be present. So wherever I'm at, I'm just present. So if I'm at work, I am 100% present. And the schools actually know. I tell them, like, don't call me unless you've seen the throw up. They are bleeding profusely or they're running a fever. Like, don't call me. Uh, we'll work everything out at home. And then when we're at home and we're doing therapy appointments, like I'm just present for the therapy appointment. And honestly, I kind of have to chunk my day because it does get so overwhelming if you, yeah. I've heard that from several people that they just chunk their day. Here, chunk it. Yep. And that's a good, um, I've heard of that book before. So I've heard that that's a good... That's a good mentality in general. Even if you don't read the book, wherever you are, be present there. Mm-hmm. And and, I'm, and I have to give up on the idea of perfection because I hate being late to places. 
I hate um, my a messy kitchen. Like my kitchen cannot be a mess. I feel like I can't function in a messy kitchen. I hate like my car being a mess. So many things that I just I have to give all up because my car has so many stains on it right now because I have a child who continues to eat in my back seat <laughs> even though I'm like stop eating that. I'm not eating. Chomp, chomp, chomp. You know. And we're always late because somebody forgets something and I just have to give up the idea of perfection or the idea of like this Instagram foster family. Like we are not that. We are, oh gosh, what was that movie that they made a long time ago? Um, Instant family. We are instant family. We are the crazy people on instant family where (laughs) it is just chaos all the time. Chaos. All right, so what is next for you guys? You have two little girls. When, how long are they going to stay with you? You don't know. We don't know. know. Yeah. We're, so what's next is a day at a time with, with them. You know, again, it's like chunking, chunking life. I mean, I have goals. Like I've got, I know, and the girls have goals. So they have personal goals of things that they're wanting to do and they really want to go to summer camp this summer and they really, and so we're looking into those things and um, we just got back from the beach and we're going to plan another trip to take with them, which traveling with children and traveling alone are so (laughs) very different. But it was cool to see the joy of like the beach through a kid's eyes, you know, that was really... Have they been to the beach before? Um, They said they've been once before, so um, when they were like two, so... Or one of them was two. Yeah. So it's they probably a, don't remember. Probably don't remember a lot of it. Yeah. So it was really neat. So we're we're gonna do those things. Go to summer camps. Go to the beach again. I'm getting my doctorate degree. Stop. <laughs> Why do people do this to me? They like bring these things. Up. Okay. So you're getting your doctorate. Yeah. Why? I don't know. I'm a glutton for punishment, yeah, I guess. Like, I don't know. If, like I, that? if I don't have anything else to manage, well, now let's throw in school. I've always been in school, though. Like, I just finished mm-hmm. another tier, uh, tier one certification for leadership. Um, I'm always in school. So, I actually don't know what I'm going to do myself when I finish this because then I might feel purposeless. Like, I feel like everyone needs their one thing in our family. So, Ryan's one thing is video games. He has never went back to school. He has never, he's just going to be, he's going to be a teacher with a bachelor's degree. And that is totally fine. He can do that. But his one thing that brings him joy is video games. And he games, games, games. And yours is going to school. And mine is going to school and learning. And the girls, you know, I don't know what their one thing is. They are involved in a lot of things. But, you know, we previously with other placements, we had one that was, Man, loved to swim. Little kid loved to swim. Couldn't swim at all. Could not swim. <laughs> Worst swimmer I've ever seen. I was like, oh gosh. I mean, it was just, I was constantly worried he was going to drown. And Ryan was like, you gotta, you gotta go. And actually I got kicked out of his swimming, swimming place once. Cause I was, I did. <laughs> I got kicked out because I was too, um, close to him. I guess it made him nervous. It made the little boy nervous. So, um, <laughs> yeah, everyone has their thing. And the girls, they, they are involved in a lot right now. I don't think they've really found their niche, but of their after-school fun thing. But they do a lot, and it's good. The school's my thing. That's your thing. Um, I mean, I guess you could always, like, go back to school and get, like, a different type of field of study. You could. Yeah, I could throw away this whole education yeah, thing. Yeah, and do something else. Do something else. All right, so... Oh my gosh, a doctorate. Are you even old enough? Yeah, no. I'm grown up now. Don't you <laughs> know like, I'm oh. not 15 anymore? Uh, this makes me feel very old. Um, all right, so you're taking care of these kids. You're going to continue doing this. Um, I don't know if I have any more questions. I like fun stories, though. So if you have a... Hmm. Let's see. Let's think of a... Um, I mean, I just remember them bringing you, like, saying, I've got this kid, I'm, he's in the hospital. That's not funny. But he was <laughs> at the hospital, and I was like, you just got this kid, and you don't even know him, and you're like, and all he has are the clothes he has on his body. And yeah. I was like, 
what are you doing with your life? Yeah. You know, and like, I called you saying, I need someone to watch him that yeah, is capable of caring help. for and a I, child with special needs, too. Because I was like, I can't leave him with anybody. I need someone who knows what they're doing. Right. Yeah. And that was wild. Mm-hmm. And I just don't know how people... Anyways, um, I just think that that fascinates me. That part fascinates me that you just don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what's going to happen. Mm-hmm. No. And we just do it. Yeah. And we just do it. Um, oh, 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 I got a good oh, one. Okay. I got okay. a good funny story. I, I'm nervous about sharing this, but... Don't use any real it's, names. <laughs> yeah. Um, it's really good. So I I was exhausted. Okay. Absolutely exhausted. As and teachers are. As teachers are. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, I mean, I, this was also on a Friday. So, you know, we're basically walking zombies yeah. on Fridays. Uh-huh. And so I'm, um, I just left school. Like I left school and I went to daycare to go pick up kids. Well, I got in there to pick up the, the kids, and I got two of them, and then I, two little boys, and I went to go pick up the baby, and um, I, I'm in a rush, big time, and I grab the baby, and the baby's just crying and crying, and I'm like, what is wrong with this baby? Because my baby doesn't cry. Like, the, the baby that we had just did not cry. I put the baby in the car seat, I snapped the baby in, and... This, the daycare worker starts handing me um, the bottles. And I'm like, that is not her bottles. And then the other one hands me a diaper bag. And I was like, that is, that is not her diaper bag. Like, what are y'all doing? And then I looked at my baby. And I was like, this is not my baby. <laughs> oh my and, and I was leaving with the wrong baby. Oh, my gosh. That is terrible. <laughs> and, oh. I mean, good news is I didn't get, like, out the door. And I'm obviously in the room. But I'm holding the baby. Like, I am holding the baby. That is the wrong baby. And I, this is, but here's the thing. You're a foster parent. You didn't birth these things. This was a teeny tiny baby. Like, a yeah, newborn Straight, yes, straight up, just old enough to go into, they all look the same. That baby was wearing the same outfit as my baby for the day. So once I realized that this was clearly not my baby, and I go and I see the one that does belong to me, you know, I picked her up and I was like, oh, yes, this is, this is you and it belongs to you. But it just goes to show, like, it's hard. It's not, yeah. you, you know, you have to pay attention to who your kids are and it can get confusing. <laughs> <laughs> you look like the one I dropped off this morning. I don't know. You're wearing the same clothes as the one I dropped off this morning. Oh, oh man. That is hilarious. So it's just, yeah, it was, it was good. Also I was scary. exhausted. Also scary. Um, yeah. I, oh. <laughs> I like immediately was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to get fired. I'm going to get fired from foster care. <laughs> you kidnapped a kid is what you just <laughs> did. You were going to be on the news. Yeah. Um, all right. I always like to end asking people about an accessory. Like, I have this teacher bag. I say this every time. And then I say like an accessory, like a pen, a journal. But then some people have shared strategies, tips, things mm-hmm. that they must have. So what is something you must have? You could do too. You could say as a foster parent, you could do as a teacher. What is something you have to have? Um, or you could just combine. Yeah, I mean, you know, this is a given, but it's some some sort of planning system that works for you. So I used to buy the very expensive plum paper, that Lily Pulitzer, whatever mm-hmm. it's called, Pulitzer thing. Um that was spiral bound with all these pages. Now I use the free agenda that they give us and I put my whole entire life in it. And then I have a little notebook that or journal that I write everything down in, but I take those two things and shove in my purse and roll with it. Like you've got to be able to have a system to plan. I gave up on color coding everything and <laughs> all that. Cause I did that for a while too, but throwing some kids and it gets messy. Like got to stay organized. Gotta say, organize, have those things. Um, and in that same sense, I guess, I have this rolling cart on wheels that has a lid on it. Mm-hmm. Game changer. It's got pockets all on the outside. It's <laughs> supposed to be for crafts. It's like a scrapbooking cart or something. But I love it, and it keeps me organized. It keeps all the things in it. And it's like my multi-purpose 
And you use that? Teacher bag. That's my teacher bag. I use that. Okay. For all things, all things. I teacher. see people like that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I put everything in it. It's great. That's cool. Um, well, thank you so much for doing this. Thank you I for having me. I appreciate it so much. <laughs> all right. I am sitting here with Brandy, and I've known Brandy for um, a really long time, and she's really old. <laughs> um, okay, I like to start with sometimes, not everybody, but how old are you? I'm 46. I think it kind of gives a, an idea of where people are in their life. So you're 46. Um, how long have you been a teacher? I'm starting my 23rd year. Oh, you're old. <laughs> I was like, oh, that's a long time. All right. But you haven't always taught, like, we're in Georgia, but you haven't always taught in Georgia, right? Correct. Where did you start? Well, I started in Georgia my first four years, and then I got a job with the Department of Defense, and then I worked in Japan for two years, and then I moved to Germany for four years. Do you, is it way different here? Or is it pretty much the same? Is school is school? School is school. School yeah. is school, for sure. What did you teach over there? Um, I taught health and PE. I taught science and home ec for a little while. So now, you do not teach that. <laughs> I do not teach that. <laughs> a long time ago, you were like, I'm going to be a special ed teacher. Yeah, so now I teach special ed adults, life skills and vocational skills. Which is way different than what you were doing. Which is way different. It's definitely a God thing, for sure. Okay, so now you teach adults. I teach adults. And you teach them how to do life skills. Like, you were telling me you have a coffee shop in your classroom. Yes. That's really cool. Yes. So, I have taught at this school for the last six years. So, mainly life skills and vocational skills. And then this past year, we started a new program where I basically teach all vocational skills. So I do a coffee shop and a school store. So it changes throughout the day. So it's really nice. That's fun. Yep. All right. Um, so hope this is okay. <laughs> um, all right. So you are single, obviously. Well, probably not obviously to everybody else, but. You're single. <laughs> um, I am single. So, yeah. like, society says you have to be married by the time you're 30 with two and a half kids, right? Um, but you're not. Nope. Never been married. No kids. I have okay. a four-legged fur baby. Oh, yes. And oh, I don't want to talk about how old he is because he's old, too. <laughs> hey, now. <laughs> he's not that old. Um... Do you still feel like there's pressure to get married? Not so much anymore. Um, lots of good counseling. <laughs> uh, there was more pressure on myself than mm -hmm. I feel like society has. Um, I mean, I enjoy being single, but I want to be married at the same time. Like, there's pluses and minuses to it, but I don't feel like I have anybody like, why aren't you married kind of thing going on. So are you currently dating? I am dating, yes. Okay, and how did you find, like, the person you're dating? Well, like, I'm dating multiple people. Oh, my gosh, what? <laughs> Stop. What? You know, okay. I didn't think I could. My counselor said, you should try it, and I'm trying it. So, yes, like, it's like the less, best man win. Come on. <laughs> okay, so how many? This summer at one time, two at a time. Okay. How do you keep them straight? My friend said get an Excel spreadsheet, but I didn't. <laughs> um, I mean, usually it's just like a couple dates and then I'm done with them because you okay. figure out like, hey, do you want to keep dating them or... How do you meet them? Online. Okay. It's not really like the place you want to, but yeah. with this day and time, like, it's fine. Because you're a teacher and it's kind of hard... Well, you work, okay, in the elementary school. <laughs> there aren't, like, a lot of single men running around. Well, not in where I'm at either. Nor do I, I want to date somebody that I work with. I don't think yeah. you should dip your pen company kind of thing. So okay. I think it can make for a messy situation if That's it doesn't true. work out. Okay. Not professional. No. Um, all right. So, 
Like eHarmony? What's the, okay, best dating site? Free, always. It's <laughs> <laughs> probably the worst one you should be on. Well, see, I've done, not... I've probably done them all. I've done Hinge, I've done Tinder, I've done Bumble. Unfortunately, I'm roped into eHarmony right now. <laughs> but Georgia it's didn't get exclude me from that mm. three-day thing. Okay. Um, but I probably had more luck with Bumble, believe it or not. Really? Mm-hmm. Yep. The girl has to, you know, make the first move. Okay. So, yep. (laughs) Is it fun just to sit and swipe? Oh, absolutely. (laughs) You're like, this is not real. Like, you look at it and you're like, please no, you know. Have you tried the Facebook dating? No, I've never tried that. (laughs) I'm just wondering. Um, All right, what is the best part of being single? Doing whatever you want to do. I come home. I can leave my house the way I wanted to leave it. I can go whenever I want to go. I can randomly take a trip on the weekend. I don't have to tell anybody. I mean, just being able to do whatever you want to do, for Mm -hmm. sure. And then, like, the worst part? Companionship. Mm -hmm. Having that person to do something with. What would you... Like, if you had the perfect guy, what would you be doing? What's the perfect date? Oh, the perfect date. Is this like relationship? <laughs> Is this like marriage? Like, what are we talking about? No, what would you be doing? Like, if you were dating somebody right now, would you... You're athletic. Mm-hmm. So, would you be doing outdoorsy things? Would you... For sure. I need someone who is active as I am, or at least somewhat active mm-hmm. as I am, because I I do do a lot physically. Um I mean, ideally, like, I don't know, a perfect date. I don't know what a perfect date is, but, I mean, a good conversation. Someone mm-hmm. who can just make me laugh and have a good conversation, no matter yeah. what we're doing, for sure. Would you like somebody that likes to travel? Because you like to go and do... Absolutely. I learned when I lived overseas, like, I kind of discovered how much I really love to travel. Like, it's definitely something that I will do to the day I die, for sure. Um, so like, what's the deal breaker for you? Like you're dating somebody and you're like, oh, that's a deal breaker. He doesn't like oh your dog. Gosh. Oh yes. If you don't mm-hmm. like my dog because we're a package deal, like, yeah, he's my ride or die for sure. For sure. <laughs> um, gosh, a deal breaker. Probably not loving the Lord for sure. Yeah. Which I'm not even going to go out with you. Like if you don't, there's a screening process. <laughs> Are you breathing? Check. <laughs> Do you love Jesus? <laughs> okay. Right. Preferably um, not living at home with mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if he is divorced, oh, you're yeah, okay. No. Like, you're not super picky about been married before or has kids no. or anything like that. No, no, no. My thing is definitely you got to love the Lord because that's the most important thing for me. So. <laughs> um. Okay. So. What's your dog is licking my face? <laughs> trying to be professional on this podcast. Why are you doing that? Okay. Um, not taking this part out. Her dog is attacking me. He loves me. What's it like um, dating as a teacher? You know, you're not in this ideal place to meet a mate. And you're like, you can't date a parent, right? No. So. Do you go into the classroom every day and keep swiping on your apps? Or well, no. You like when I go into work, up? I'm work okay. focused. Like, I don't think about my dating life. I don't think about my personal life. Like, You're not I really t- try to have good boundaries with that. So, But you come home and sit on the couch and swipe all night? Well, I don't swipe <laughs> all night. I typically do it when I'm bored. Oh, yeah. Like, when I'm bored is when I really... Kind of like, oh, okay, well, let me just look at the app. Let me see what's out there right now. Uh, I do love a good um, story. And I know you have some because you've been on dating apps for more than a week. Yes, I have. And so I know there has to be, like, some really good, juicy, or, like, you go to meet somebody and they... (laughs) You know, I've never gone and said, I've never gone and said, I saw them like, let me just walk out of here. Like, I've never mm-hmm. had one of those. Um, 
years ago, I mean, because like everybody wants to meet somebody naturally or through somebody, but I think a lot of those times are kind of like slipping away from us. Like I do know a lot of people who have met someone online and they've been married for years. Like I know someone's been married for 10 plus years online. So it's not like the stigma years ago when it started. Mm -hmm. But I remember years ago when I came back and I met this guy and he told me, First of all, he told me he was divorced. Well, he wasn't really divorced when we showed up, when I showed up to the date. And what? He, yeah, he was not. He was not. And so, but he quickly was, I was very quickly, I quickly determined that I was not interested in this person, but I had to sit through this lunch and he's watching the TV way too much. And I literally, being a teacher, I'm like, do you have, like, attention deficit disorder? <laughs> You're, like, diagnosing him at the table. I'm like, I'm not interested in another date, so I'm going to ask whatever at this point. And he goes, well, yeah, you know, and I do like to watch sports. I'm like, okay, you know, whatever. The conversation goes on. It's time to leave. But at some point at the meal, he said, yeah, we're not a good match. I'm like, yeah, we're not a good match. So he asked me, could he walk me to the car? And I'm like, no, I'm really good. And in my head, I'm thinking, you know what? I bet he's that kind of guy that just drives a bright sports car. Like some like green, orange, like that obnoxious color sports car. So he proceeds to walk me to my car. And even though he said, you know, we're not going to be a good match. He goes, but we should try anyway. I'm like, okay, like, no, I'm not interested in you. And then he tries to kiss me at the same time. After he told you you weren't good enough for him? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, and then I'm like, dude, I put my hand up. I'm like, dude, you're not for me. Like, this is not going to work. And then as he goes to his car, what kind of car did he get into? A bright yellow Camaro. That's right. I pegged him just right. <laughs> so you know what kind of car he drives That's before right. you even see it. <laughs> uh, like, he wasn't... The, like, he was going through a divorce, right? He was separated going through a divorce. Even though online he told me he was divorced. Yeah, that's shady. It is shady. So you really can't trust what people say. No. No. Hmm. I really think you should get a background check. <laughs> right. A credit report. <laughs> Do you have that? I mean, you can sign up for that where you can check their background and... Well, I feel like if I'm ever, if I'm in a relationship and we're monogamous and like, okay, we're going forward, I think that someone needs to do that. I'll do that for somebody. I mean, you just can't trust anybody this day and time. Right. And anybody who doesn't have a problem, obviously that's a good thing. If they have a problem, then that should throw up a red flag. I'm going to do your background check. <laughs> Can I have your right. social security number? That's right. Like, that's not scary. Um, all right, so what have you learned about yourself now um, versus, like, 25-year-old Brandy? In regards to dating or... Life? Because I'm sure you learned a lot about yourself through these years just being by yourself. Mm-hmm. And so what have you learned about yourself? I am much stronger than I realize that I am. I mean, I've moved to two different countries by myself. Like, mm. I'm capable of a whole lot. Travel by myself in a lot of countries. Um, not to take myself so seriously or put pressure on myself, for sure, with a lot of things in life in general. Do you think you did that? Oh, yes. I'm very type A personality, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> People who know me know yeah. that I'm type A personality. I'm the youngest, but you would think I'm an oldest child. Um, if somebody is sitting kind of 25 years old and they're just looking to get married and they can't find anybody and they're just like that pressure, that pressure, that pressure is on them, what would you tell them? Go out, see the world. Don't get married so young. I didn't want to be married when I was 25. Like... I was still living the 20-something-year-old life. Like, I was still clubbing. I was having a good time. I mean, I was in on-and-off relationship at that time. wasn't a healthy relationship. But I never wanted... I always thought I would be married, but I didn't want to get married in my 20s, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. Like, I remember being in Germany when I was... I think I was, like, 33. 
and I'm watching whatever television show. And I always knew I would get married. I just didn't know, like, about kids or whatever. And I'm watching this show, and there's a kid, and I'm like, oh, I want to have a kid. That baby's so cute. And I literally look beside <laughs> myself. I'm like, who in the heck just said that? Like, So, like, in your 20s, I'd say live life a little bit. Like, you need to go out and experience life. Like, you, And I think you do that now. Oh, for sure. Like, you're all over the place. Yeah, I am. Yeah. But I think, you know, that's helpful helpful that you don't have somebody to tie you down but right I'm more settled for sure than I was 10 years ago when I first came back 12 years ago but um yeah I mean definitely yeah for sure all right so years ago a long long time ago you um got a dog I did (laughs) like what made you get a dog First of all, it's a major responsibility for anyone listening. You can't just, it's a lifelong, it's a life commitment for sure. And so I had wanted a dog for a while when I came back. And when you go through a breakup, that kind of expedites things or whatever. (laughs) So I was like, ooh, I didn't really need to get a dog now. And so um, I call him my independence dog because I did get him on July 4th. (laughs) So... Um, but I remember when I went and got him, I looked at him the day before from a breeder. He's a little Yorkie. And I said, I'm 99% sure that I want him. I said, please do not sell him. I said, but this is a really long commitment. I just need to make sure this is right for me. And so I slept on it, prayed about it. And the next day I went and got him and it was the best money I've ever spent. Mm-hmm. Like he... Is so great. Like, he brings so much joy and laughter to my life. He fills a void, I think, that I had or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, and I always say we're a package deal for sure. So, um, I, you know, I got Stella two years ago. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh, this is great. But I went through puppy blues mm-hmm. where I... She wouldn't sleep or, you know, I had regrets, big regrets. Mm-hmm. And I was like, this is, it's like having a baby. And I was like, I think I'm going through like postpartum, <laughs> <laughs> but I've, it's a puppy, you know? Right. Did you ever go through that? Like, do you remember that? Like now looking now, I don't think anything about it, but I remember during those times I was, I was not okay. Oh, I think I said I wouldn't go through a puppy stage again. Yeah. Because, <laughs> I mean, the yeah. whining when you have to get up at mm-hmm. 2 o'clock in the middle of the night to walk, you know. Right, and you don't have a yard where you can I don't. I don't. Open the door. So. I live in a townhouse. <laughs> it's three stories, and I have to walk down two flights of stairs At to 2 walk in the morning? At oh. 2 in the morning mm-hmm. to walk no. in. It must be love. Let me tell you. No. <laughs> it must be love. I'd be like, uh, go, go pee on that I don't care no but you know like I see puppies I'm like ooh a puppy you know but Mm -hmm. I mean anybody who knows me knows I love my dog like even you know conversations that we've had earlier today that my principal knows that I love my dog so right well I think like it's your kid he's your it is he brings so much joy to my life and he travels with me I know well, he's small enough that you can... <laughs> he is. He weighs 12 pounds. <laughs> tote him anywhere. Yeah. It's a little bit harder when they get a little bigger. No, I do have a, a nice little backpack that I put him in. Um, <laughs> a couple of years ago, I went on a road trip to the East Coast, and my destination was Acadia uh, National Park. And we stopped in Boston, and it was I had just gotten the backpack. And... He's not a city dog. Obviously, we live in the burbs here. Mm. And I put him in the backpack, and he loved it. Like, he was so comfortable because I think he was so, had so much anxiety in the mm-hmm. city with all the cars and the people. And he, he used to hate it, but now he loves it. So now that he's older, he's 11, a little over 11, when we um, hike, when he's tired, he goes in the backpack a lot. So, um, how did you pick his name? Funny story, I love the show Parenthood, and the character on there, Crosby, I just loved his mm-hmm. his name. 
And everybody always says, is he named after Crosby, Stills, and Nash? I'm like, well, indirectly he is, because the character on the show is named after Crosby, Stills, and oh, Nash. Oh, yeah. But so many people have, like, oh, I really like that name. It's a different name. Mm-hmm. So it is very different. I'm like, if I wouldn't name my dog that, if I ever have a kid, that I would name Well, I thought Stella was unique. Mm-hmm. But there's like 8,000 Stella dogs everywhere. I just like, think of the movie Stella. I know. Well, that's why I named her that. Because I thought if she was running off, like, please. She's pretty good about staying with me, so that's good. Um, all right, so I didn't put this on the list of questions, but I do want to know if there's a perfect guy. Five words. Describe it. Oh, gosh. Lord. Perfect guy. So you knew all the answers to all the other questions? Loves the Lord, absolutely. Okay. I hate to be vain, but like I'm a tall individual. So <laughs> <laughs> Preferably someone my height. I've dated shorter men and doesn't doesn't work well for me. Um funny. Mm-hmm. Thoughtful. Kind and someone active for sure. Yeah, and has to love your dog. And has to yeah, love my dog okay. for sure. Like that's something I <laughs> I mentioned to people that I has date. to love the dog. What are some tips like dating tips if somebody wants to start dating or they're out dating? What are some things that you think are important? You know, the summer has been really. Sweet. The Lord has just been really sweet to me about meeting some godly men this summer and just kind of giving me some hope again, I guess, mm-hmm. that for a while it was like, eh, I'm like, is there anybody out there kind of thing. But don't put pressure on yourself. And I don't really put too much, I call it stock, into dating. Like, mm-hmm. like I always give myself a little talk before I go on a date. I'm like, Lord, like, let's just be an uplifting conversation and just have fun. Like I and after I did that, there was like no nerves, no nothing. It just kind of just relaxed going into mm-hmm. a date. And it, for a while, I used to be like, "Oh, I got to do this again," you know, this first date or whatever. But now I'm like, you know what? It's nice to be treated well. It's nice to be taken out. It's nice to look nice for somebody, and someone appreciates it. Because for a while, it just didn't happen, you know. So yeah, because I just kind of took a break. So. Well, why did you take a break? We need the juicy gossip. Mm, I you don't a, have to say it. I took a break because I just didn't think it would happen. Yeah. Yeah, you know, just didn't think it would happen. Because, I mean, so many people say, like, I had a parent of a, teach, a student recently, not my student, but someone else's student. We were talking about, him being in the military, and I appreciated him being doing service. I always try to thank people when they're from the military, just because I worked with the military mm-hmm. and just near and dear to my heart. And we're talking about Japan. He was like, "Oh, my daughter was born in Japan," and and then he was like, "So your your husband brought you love?" No, I'm a single teacher. And at the end of the conversation, he's like, "So you're single?" When you were there and you were seeing your left and they just ask questions like, what's wrong with you? And it's, it's like, nothing's wrong with me. You know, like society may say this, but like, I'm comfortable who I am Mm -hmm. being 46, single, never been married, no kids. Like I'm a very happy person. And if that's God's plan for my life, then great. I want it to be, but if it's not, then I know I'll be okay with it at some point. You know, like, I I know I'll be okay with it, but right now it's the deepest desire for me to be married. So, if it happens, it happens. You could just get another puppy. (laughs) (laughs) It's the same thing. Maybe. No, don't do it. It's not the the same. (laughs) No. Um, All right, so one thing that I always like to ask is what is an accessory or a tip. I have this like teacher bag that I carry everywhere. I feel like it makes me look professional. (laughs) There might be like junk and crumbs all on the bottom, but I feel professional when I carry it versus like my big canvas teacher bag tote. Mm -hmm. I feel much better about myself. What is, but it doesn't have to be that. I want something like it can be a tip, 
Um, some people have said a planner or some yoga has been mentioned and um, meditation. What is something that you you have to have or that you think a teacher needs in the classroom? What is a this? sense of humor. <laughs> For sure. For a sure. sense of humor. I mean, I'm not a middle, I'm not an elementary school teacher. I don't have like little things, accessories. I've never been that type of person, even when I was a middle school teacher. But definitely a sense of humor and do not take your work home with you if you can. I'm very good with boundaries, so I don't take my work home. Okay, so you're the second one this summer that I've talked to about this. <laughs> I do not take work home with me. How do you not, because I talked with Lauren and she said the same thing. She, tell me how you do it. I just how do you not? really good boundaries with myself. My personal time is my personal time. Like I, because the work's always going to be there. Mm-hmm. And you're always striving, well, at least for myself. Like I'm always wanting to, what can I do better as a mm-hmm. teacher? And how can I improve myself? What can I make better for the students? And I'm like, it's going to be there tomorrow. Yeah. I'm not going to solve the world's problems tonight, you know, so. Do you stay late? Like, Lauren um, talked about traveling a lot, and so she talked about that she stays, like, two days a week, and they're scheduled out. She puts them on the calendar so she knows those are the days she's going to stay, and she gets as much done as she can those days. Nope, I don't stay late. I pretty much, I'm someone, I'm very good at managing my time. So, when I'm at work, I'm very focused. I've been, you know, like, even when, like, different specialists come into my room in the special mm-hmm. ed world, they're like, you're very business-like. Because I'm just there for business. Like, I'm yeah. not there to socialize. I'm not there for anything else. I'm there for the students. And so, I get it done in my hours. But I've been doing it long enough that I can kind of, you know, yeah. wing some things. <laughs> wing it. 22 years, I can wing some things. Yeah. So. True. Hmm. All right, well, is there anything else you want to share? Anything else you want to ask? I mean... I don't know. I was trying to think of something. I just love good stories, but... I mean, I don't have any, like... I, you don't have any, like... Well, this summer, let's see, I went out with a guy. Oh, okay. I went out with a guy this summer, and we had talked several times on the phone, and we had been out a couple times, and of course, on the first date, he's like, hey, would you be interested in the second date? And I said... Sure, like I just, I need more than one date to figure out if there's Mm -hmm. something there, whatever. So we do that, and we talk maybe one or two more times, and then apparently I wasn't emotionally vulnerable enough (laughs) for him after two dates, and I'm like, dude, like I need more than two dates to be emotionally vulnerable with you, so. But don't you think he's probably used to girls just like pouring their hearts out? Well, he did cry on the first day. What? No, stop. <laughs> why? How did you? Why did you make him cry? How did, did you make him cry? <laughs> he was talking about his relationship with the Lord, so okay. he was so that I give him credit for that. Okay, he was a very sensitive guy, and he told me that up front, so he was sharing that. Okay, but it wasn't like you made him. No, cry. I didn't make him cry. No, no, no. He no. wasn't crying about like his no. cat or something. No, that was the summer. I mean, that's yeah. I mean, I've been ghosted a couple times, like, went out with this guy for a couple months, and he was messaging me every day, we talk a few times a week, and then all of a sudden, he just stopped out of nowhere, and I messaged him, and I was like, listen, I said, you could have just been honest with me, you know, you didn't have to ghost me or whatever, I deserve better than that, and of course, he makes excuse when he messaged me back, no apologies, nothing like that, so... Like, it was, I was working 60 to 80 hours a week. Oh, of course, yeah. Yeah. But what was he doing the other months he wasn't working then? It was his busiest time. Oh. He had told me that. But, I mean, it went from literally every day. He would text me morning, noon, night kind of messaging. And it went to that to nothing. Just out of the blue. I'm like, I, like just be honest. Like, women... Men don't think that women can take honesty. Like, if for me, I would rather you just say, listen, I'm not really that into you. Or, I met someone. Like, mm-hmm. it's fine. Versus, 
stringing you along and saying, oh, well, you know, I was busy working and whatever excuse they want to make. So yeah. for me as a person, I'd rather you be honest. I, I appreciate that more. So don't okay. sugarcoat it for me. <laughs> Just tell me the truth. Just tell me the truth. <laughs> I'd rather it hurt in an instant yeah. than think about, did I do something wrong? Mm -hmm. What did I say? Right, mm -hmm. and overanalyzing it. And I think once I got to that point of, you know what? I'm just not going to put pressure on myself anymore. I'm just going to go out and I'm going to have fun and whatever happens, happens. And it's, to me, been more enjoyable that way. That's good. Sounds fun. Mm -hmm. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for being open about, it's kind of a weird topic to talk about, mm -hmm. but I think there are more single people out there than just the ones who are 23. You know, and I think that you go to a classroom every day and you're professional and then you try to find Mr. Right on the side in your spare time. Right? Right. I so, mean, thanks. yeah, there's a lot of 40 plus single women. Mm -hmm. I have some 50 year old friends that have never been married and would like that. Like it just hasn't happened, you know? So, yeah. And whether it's their, the plan that God has for their life, yeah, who knows? And they're not broken. No. All these women are very much thriving. And, like, we're not sitting at home pining away like, oh, when's the next guy going to call me? Yeah. Hmm. So we have our own life. And, I mean, I travel a lot. I'm very active. So mm -hmm. I do a lot of stuff. You don't have time. I don't have kidding. time. I try to make time for <laughs> yes, people, for sure. You make time for what's important. Right? I make right. time for mm -hmm. who's important what's important, for sure. All right, thanks for catching up. You're welcome.